Welcome to White Coats of the Round Table, a healthcare podcast focused on career development, burnout prevention, and non-clinical career paths. My name's Mike Asbach, and normally I am joined by my co-host, John McDonald, but the perils of having busy lives where we're trying to do many things and also manage it with kids, John is not available this week, so I'm going to be running solo. For those of you that are always tuning in for John's brevity, humor, and just overall charisma. I'm sorry. Today might be a little bit drier. I'm the more serious one in the group. Today, I wanted to take the opportunity and talk a little bit about healthcare leadership. I think a lot of our episodes so far, we've talked about different ways to advance your career, different ways to find a more meaningful enjoyment in your healthcare career. And some of that has involved taking opportunities that are maybe non-traditional paths, finding work outside of clinic whether that be teaching or finding a job in the healthcare industry and pharmaceuticals. But a lot of times, a meaningful career doesn't have to be one where you leave clinic. It may be something where you just continue to advance and progress in your career within your current role. And I think leadership is really often the path for that. Very often, at least in my profession as a PA, there's a lot of opportunity to move up the chain or move up the ladder Usually, a, a top position at a healthcare system for a PA or an NP may be director of APP services, where you're overseeing a group of you know providers outside of physicians. And I don't think in the podcast we've really done justice to talk about this role or talk about different ways that you can find leadership within your current organization. And taking leadership roles even within your current organization may be a stepping stone to something bigger. If you become the director of, you know, pharmacy services for your hospital or the director of APP services, that may be a great endpoint for the career, but that may also be a stepping stone to going higher in hospital administration or management, or maybe even leads to a pivot outside of clinical and going to something completely different. Within that, I wanted to at least take a little bit of time today and just talk about different things that we can do as healthcare professionals to foster leadership. And I think this is an area of healthcare, at least in our training and early on in our careers, that we don't do enough of it. I take a lot of students at my clinical job, about 50 or 60 students a year rotate through our clinic. And one of the things I always try and stress to them is that as soon as you graduate from school, if you are a licensed healthcare professional, so whether you're a nurse, whether you are a physical therapist, a pharmacist, PA, NP, physician, you are a leader. The day you come out of school, even if you are completely green and have no idea what you're doing, which is all of us on on day one of our jobs, we're going to be expected to lead a team. If you're a nurse, you may have you know PCAs working under you. You may have MAs working under you. You may be directing non-clinical staff, you know, admin, scheduling, things like that. If you're a physician, obviously, you know, we think of physicians as the top of the food chain. They're almost always going to be in those leadership positions. But unfortunately, I think our training, at least our formal didactic training, does not do a good job preparing us for leadership positions. Some some of us may have gone to schools that discussed how to be a good leader. But very often, at least in my experience, the majority of my formal education was focused on clinical training. 
And I think for PAs and NPs especially, I can speak to that profession because that's where I'm more familiar. I think the nature of our profession is one where our clinical or our didactic training is more consolidated. It's more brief. The whole idea is to accelerate the clinical training or pathway compared to a physician. And in exchange for a quicker entry to the workforce, we don't have the same level of depth or expertise that a physician may have when they come out of school. So a lot more is focused on on on-the-job training. But understandably, I think that also leads to less opportunities to have formal education or discussion within school about leadership. Even when I talk to physicians, though, they often will tell me that there's not a whole lot that's discussed in medical school that is related to specifically how to lead people. And I'm sure anyone that's listening to this is probably working in a healthcare profession, and you've probably interacted with people of various professions that are, you know, maybe a bit idiosyncratic, maybe a little bit gruff. And those things all matter. And I think in healthcare, we just assume very often that if we're smart, if we are clinical experts, that that equates to good leadership. And I really, I think that there's two separate things. Leading people is a very different skill set compared to being clinically proficient. So today, instead of talking about how to find leadership opportunities, we certainly may touch on that a little bit. I want to focus a little bit more on how, as healthcare professionals, we can become effective leaders, how we can seek out the skill set that's required. Just to give a little bit of background for me, so my my kind of eye-opening leadership moment was a, I spent seven or eight years in the Army Reserve, and I spent a year mobilized on active duty down in Fort Hood, Texas. And while I was down there, one of my roles was I was in charge of a team of 15 civilian providers, so PAs and NPs um, and physicians, and I oversaw them as the kind of the military liaison for the clinic. And it was really eye-opening because I went in with the assumption that I would be predominantly leading the team from a clinical perspective. I would be giving guidance on how we needed to perform this task. And so much more of it ended up being just leading people, you know, dealing with people calling in sick, dealing with people that didn't like each other and, you know, interpersonal feuds or spats, dealing with people that were unhappy with their schedule, trying to figure out how to cover all the clinic locations because there was different locations that we had to staff with providers while making sure that it was fair, equitable, and that everyone was, you know, reasonably happy or at least everyone was equally as unhappy. And it was really a trial by fire. I went into it with certainly some leadership skill set. I, I did ROTC through college and I had also been an officer in the military for a couple years. So I had some degree of experience leading people. But at the same time, I went in completely naive to how much just managing people was involved with leadership. And as we've discussed on the podcast earlier, John likes to make fun of me. I'm not exactly a people person. I'm a little bit more goal-oriented and gruff. So relational leadership is not my skill set. So the year that I spent in the Army on active duty, it really was eye-opening to me that becoming more relational, you know, making sure that if you are leading people, you connect with them, you understand them, you can help them through you know, things that they're struggling with, that that's all really important. And those are the areas that I think we always lack if we're not intentional about building that skill set as healthcare professionals. So if we want to develop leadership skills, if we as a healthcare professional look at our career and say, you know what, I think I would enjoy taking a role that has more leadership or more mentorship towards other providers or other professionals, 
one of the things that we can do is we can seek out leadership development programs. So if you work at a large healthcare organization, there's pr probably a pretty high likelihood that they may offer some sort of leadership development program. And this can provide you with you know, knowledge, skills, and tools to become an effective leader. A lot of times these programs will cover different things, including communication, decision-making, strategic planning, or team building. So I think step one, we've, we've kind of had this as a recurrent theme throughout the podcast, is that if you identify a role that you aspire to be in, one of the first things you should do is look internally at your current position and see if there's opportunities within that current role to expand or do things that will bring you closer to that aspirational goal. So if you're in a large healthcare system, that's a great start. If you're in a small private practice, or maybe you're in a smaller rural clinic that may not have those internal leadership development programs, I would still talk to HR, talk to your manager and see because very often, even at smaller clinics or smaller healthcare systems, there may be opportunities to have you go to an external leadership development program, whether that be a formalized program such as a local MBA, if you wanted to get additional schooling, or it may be an informal program such as just sending a, a healthcare professional to a different clinic or a different healthcare system to learn a task. So for one example, even internally at our job, we have a person who is potentially interested in maternal mental health. So one thing that we've talked about is we really don't have a lot of specialists, at least internally at our clinic, that are you know proficient or experts in maternal mental health. So we've talked about trying to maybe identify different people within the community, either locally or even nationally, that may be experts and then connecting our provider with that person so that she can grow her skill set and eventually grow into that role of becoming that subject matter expert within our department. So there's different opportunities like that where step one, I think, is it's always good to talk to your team, talk to your manager, talk to your HR, let them know what you're thinking, especially if you're going to them and saying, hey, I would like to take on more leadership responsibilities within this job. You know, what can I do to get there? Because you are presenting to them that you want to help be part of the solution. You want to continue to help contribute to moving the organization forward. It's a very different discussion than going to your HR person and saying, I'm not sure if I want to be here anymore. I'm going to start looking for a non-clinical job or I'm going to start looking to pivot to something else. If you're looking for those internal leadership opportunities, very often they're going to be very supportive of that and probably do everything they can to help build that and help you grow. So number two, the other thing that we can do to help foster that leadership is attend conferences and workshops. So attending conferences and workshops that are focused on leadership can be a great way for healthcare professionals to learn from experts in the field, gain insights into best practices. And these events may also provide opportunities for networking with other healthcare leaders. And I think there's two different ways that we can think about this is certainly, you know, there's clinical conferences and we may go to a conference every year to learn about the newest clinical updates in our field of medicine. And those are very important. But moving beyond that, almost every profession has leadership conferences, conferences that are more focused on the leadership or business side of medicine. So those may be a little bit more dry. It may also be hard to justify those if you are still in a predominantly clinical role and you are more so just having interest in rising to that leadership role. But there are a lot of opportunities out there. What I will say, though, is even within just the realm of going to a clinical conference, my appreciation for conferences has changed over the past three years. 
prior to COVID, I would go to a conference every year and I would sit in on the lectures and I would learn something new and I would always come away super charged up because I would feel like I'm coming out of it as a better clinician and I was going to be you know, more equipped and more knowledgeable on how to help my patients with their mental health issues. I work in psych. And then COVID hit and everything stopped. There was no in-person conferences and some of the conferences went virtual, but you lost that opportunity to commingle, cross-pollinate, meet people from other places, learn what they're doing, learn about how other people are innovating. And I think I took it for granted prior to COVID because I think a lot of that commingling was happening and I just didn't realize that it was something of value. So during COVID, obviously we were limited. We weren't able to do that. And now as COVID has relented or we're going back to normal to some degree, the opportunity to go back to in-person conferences be able to not only sit in those lectures, but then also have dinner with colleagues, discuss different opportunities for research or different opportunities to innovate within your healthcare space with colleagues, with industry partners. These conferences are just a great opportunity to cross collaborate and find like-minded people that may help advance whatever your goals are within your job. And that's also how leadership bonds can be formed. If you go to these conferences, and maybe you make connections with you know, a, a peer who is in a leadership role at a comparable healthcare system to yours. Well, that may be a great opportunity for mentorship. They may be able to provide a lot of resources. If you then enter a leadership role, you can tap into those networks and resources for assistance. Maybe you're looking to write a new policy or procedure for scheduling you know, within your department, and you're able to pull back to that person you met at the conference that told you about this new software that they were using that made provider scheduling a breeze. These are all things that can make you a better leader. And it ties into what we've discussed in previous episodes, that networking is really one of the key critical things in healthcare. I think all too often as healthcare professionals, we don't value networking because we go to our same clinic. We see our same five or six coworkers that work in our department. And we may not even interact with people within the building, you know, other floors of the hospital, other departments. And that can be a huge detriment in terms of career advancement or career development, because if you don't know what other people are doing, even if it's non-clinical things, you know, maybe a different department is scheduling their providers differently or taking a different take on PTO or telemedicine to allow hybrid work, or maybe they're allowing their nurses to work from home. If you're not having those conversations, if you're not having those cross-collaborative opportunities to discuss things, it may not be as easy for you to innovate or make sure that you are providing the best leadership that you can. So moving on from that, we can find a mentor. And we've kind of already touched on this with networking. Finding a mentor who is an experienced healthcare leader can be invaluable for healthcare professionals who are interested in developing their leadership skills. Mentors can provide guidance, advice, and support, as well as share their own experiences and lessons learned. I'm going to speak to this just a little from my own experience. So I currently am on the board of directors for the New York State PA Association, and it has been incredible. So once again, I am not a relational leader. So it's been maybe an eye-opening experience to once again be in a leadership role, but to learn from these other people that are on the board. The New York State PA Association is really, in my opinion, an amazing organization because the board is just filled with people that have 
absolutely crushed it in their career. I think half the board are people that are in leadership roles at major hospital systems in New York City, uh, people that are in charge of hundreds, if not thousands of people in terms of management and leadership. There's uh, people on the board that are former presidents of the APA. So it really is an incredible opportunity for mentorship and the ability as a younger professional to learn from these people that have been doing it and just, you know, at the forefront of leadership of our profession for decades. So finding that mentor can be invaluable because you don't know what you don't know. And like we've said earlier, healthcare is a field that really focuses almost all of its formalized training on clinical proficiency, which is probably appropriate. But at the same time, there's so much of an unmet need for learning how to be a leader. So if you find someone that is in a role that you aspire to be in, or just someone that is willing to be generous with their time and mentor you, I think that's a really important thing. Once again, I think the first step with that is look internally. If you can find someone internal to your organization that will take you under their wing, that identifies you as someone that they believe can you know, have potential and can continue to grow, that's going to be a wonderful thing because that person is presumably, if they're within your organization, going to have an extra level of interest in your success because it helps the organization. It's also going to be someone that presumably is local, so you'll be able to have a lot of interaction and discussion with them. But it doesn't have to be that. If you can't find someone internally, I think the internet, social media has given us a wonderful opportunity where we can connect across the country. Just yesterday, I was talking with someone else on the New York State PA board, and we mentioned potentially setting up a phone call with someone from Utah, a cohort in Utah who has had similar leadership roles and has navigated the Utah PA Association. And the ability to just set up a Zoom and pick their brain is really an incredible thing. And those opportunities aren't there without networking. The reason that we know this person is from conferences, from networking with these people, being intentional about making those connections, learning from these people what they have to offer, and then also being generous with our time. We always want to make sure that when we talk about networking, that we recognize it's a two-way street. If you're someone who's constantly just going and asking for things from people, that's a hard relationship to maintain. Now, if you're younger, if you're looking for people that are more experienced to, to help mentor you and give you more, mentorship is a little bit different than networking because I think mentorship by its nature is going to be more one-sided where the more experienced person is mentoring you and very often is going to be providing you with a lot of benefit where you may be not able to provide as much reciprocally. I think with mentoring, though, the trade-off is you need to make sure to pass it on and as you become more experienced, you need to also mentor someone and make sure that you're setting up the future generation as well. So next, take on leadership roles. Healthcare providers or healthcare professionals can gain leadership experience by taking on leadership roles within their organization or professional associations. This may include serving on committees, leading projects or initiatives, or volunteering for leadership positions. So this is, once again, we have some themes that really pervade through all of our episodes. And another theme that we've had frequently in our episodes when John and I are discussing career development is the need to maybe volunteer for things or take on you know positions or roles that bring you closer to your career goals, even if those roles don't pay well, or even if those roles are maybe a bit inconvenient. So the example I always like with that is teaching. Teaching is such low-hanging fruit. You can, you know, usually almost every university or college, you know, your alumni organization is going to be looking for people to come in and just be guest lecturers. 
It probably will pay terribly, but it's a great opportunity to learn how to you know public speak. It's a great opportunity to network. It's a great opportunity to give back and pour into that future generation of healthcare professionals. So roles like that may not necessarily be the end goal. You know, if if our career aspirations are to adjunctively teach at you know local universities for a hundred bucks a pop, that's not really going to uh, you know provide a meaningful career. Maybe the end goal is to get a faculty appointment or to use that experience as a public speaker teaching to then go on to a different educational role for a CME company or other roles that may require effective communication. But those roles very often serve an important purpose. They allow you to build your skill set. They allow you to build your resume, but they allow you to start building that network. So as we discuss healthcare leadership, I think serving on committees is a really good way to get there. If you're in a large organization, there's almost certainly going to be various committees, health, health informatics, um, there may be a medical committee. There's all kinds of opportunities to sit on these committees and then be helpful. If you're the person that just sits in the back and you know texts on your phone and is not necessarily paying attention, that's not necessarily going to set you up for success. People are not going to recognize that as someone who should promote above peers. But make sure that you're contributing. If you're sitting on a committee, spearhead a project, take initiative. Once again, looking at this from my perspective as a PA, if I'm sitting on a committee, the way that I enter it is, okay, I feel very strongly that the PA and NP profession can have a huge role in addressing healthcare shortages. So within this organization, if I'm sitting on this committee, I'm going to look at things from the standpoint of how can my knowledge of the PA and NP profession help find solutions for problems that are facing this committee? These are the types of situations where you can not only build your skill set, but then also help your organization identify that you are willing, you are eager, but then you are also capable of taking on bigger and greater roles. Outside of an organization, the other way that you can do this is just volunteering for you know nonprofit organizations, volunteering for committees there. As a healthcare professional, you probably have a skill set that's incredibly valuable for various community organizations not just in your clinical role, but also your knowledge of the healthcare system. So there may be opportunities for you to volunteer and sit on maybe a nonprofit board for a local food pantry or a local community organization. And this is a great opportunity to, to learn you know, the functions of a nonprofit, to learn governance of a board of directors if you're on a small community organization's board. And then this is a great opportunity to then, once again, build on that skill set. So for example, my dad sits on a board of directors for a small private school. So this is something where it's a very small school, local to our area, but he sits on the board and that's a great opportunity to learn how to navigate educational policy, how to navigate finances and managing a budget. So those types of opportunities are out there. But once again, the way that you find these opportunities is through networking, putting yourself out there, making sure that people are aware that you're willing and that you're looking for these new opportunities or new challenges. So next, read leadership literature. Reading books, articles, and blogs on leadership can be a great way for healthcare providers to learn about different leadership styles and approaches. This can help them identify strategies and techniques that they can apply in their own leadership roles. I have a mixed relationship with leadership books. And this ties into John and my conversation two weeks ago where we talked about career coaching. And 
my hesitation with it comes from my clinical role in psychiatry. I'm always a little bit hesitant because I think very often leadership books end up trying to make things too simple. They distill down leadership into, you know, little memes or bite size. Oh, all you got to do is this, this, and this, and then you'll be successful. But at the same time, I think the books can be very helpful because they offer opportunities to hear from different people on different leadership roles. So for example, Jocko Willink is, uh, we've talked about him earlier on the show, a former, I think a former Navy SEAL, very much a discipline equals freedom guy. He's, you know, up at 3 a.m. doing two-hour workouts and, you know, always talking about how the more intense you are, the more regimented and structured you are, the more you'll succeed. And he does a ton on leadership. He's got some great books on leadership uh, and the books are excellent. But when I read his book, I came away from it feeling a little bit unfulfilled because I felt like it was too simplistic. You know, the the gist of his book, and I can't remember the name of it, so I apologize, but I'll try and put it in the show notes, is that any failure of a team falls on the leader. So everything flows up. So as a leader, your job is to make sure that your team is always set up for success. And if there's any point where the, the team does not succeed, it's a leadership failure. And I think that's a really important thing. It's a very military focused mindset that, you know, leaders are responsible for team success, but leaders are also going to be responsible for team failure. And as a leader, it's really important that we don't try and shift failure to others. You know, we say, oh, well, the training wasn't adequate, or I didn't have the right equipment, or we weren't given adequate time. Well, no, you just as a leader, you needed to work with what you had available to you and find a way for your team to have success. Conversely, I think there's other books out there that take a completely different approach. And especially as we're seeing this maybe generational gap where Gen Z is going to require a very different leadership approach than Boomers or Gen X. So I think these books are helpful. But as you're reading these leadership books, I would just caution you not to find one book and think that this book will provide you all the answers to how to be a good leader. I think it's really good to get different perspectives and then form a leadership approach that fits you, that fits your skills, because everyone's going to be different in how they lead and make sure that you're not trying to put a square peg in a round hole. So the last one I, I'll leave you with, since we're maybe getting tight on where I want to be time-wise, is to seek feedback. Healthcare providers or healthcare professionals can seek feedback from colleagues, supervisors, and other stakeholders to help them identify areas for improvement and develop their leadership skills. This may include soliciting feedback on their communication style, decision-making, or team management. We can look at feedback in two different ways. As we said earlier, every single healthcare professional, if you are a licensed healthcare professional, you are a leader, whether you like it or not. And I think within that, it's always important to self-reflect. So this can go in two different ways. Is As a leader, when you're self-reflecting, I think it's really good to talk to your superiors and get feedback from them. You know, what do you think I'm doing well? What do you think some areas that I can improve? What do you think are some good things for me to work on in terms of building my skill set? That's a good conversation to have with people above you. But it's also, I think, really important to have conversations with subordinates, with people that you're leading, with your team, and say, what do you think we're doing well? What do you think are some things that we can improve on? And then as a team, what are some things that we can work on in terms of skill set building? And it's really good feedback because sometimes people that are working for you or under you may have feedback that you're not aware of. Maybe they say, hey, your communication is often too late 
where you tell us that you want us to work on this day or that we need to get this task done, we need to prep the OR for this. But by the time you tell us this, it's already too late for us to implement it. That's the type of feedback then, then as a leader that you can take and say, okay, I need to adjust my communication, my organization of communication so that I make sure I'm getting a message to my subordinates in a timely manner to set them up for success, to kind of go back to the Jocko theory. We want to make sure that we're open as leaders. One of the worst things that we can do as leaders is enter a role and think that we don't need to improve or that there's nothing that we can do to change. I think one of the key characteristics of leadership is humility, is humble leaders are going to be the best leaders because they recognize that they don't know everything and they're going to be on a constant search to become better at what they do. And very often that may include learning from people that are below them in addition to learning that from people that are above them. It's a constant search or journey to become the best leader that you can be from the start of your career right up to the end. Bob Iger I, is someone that I really like as a leader. His book is actually excellent. And it's really fascinating to read his book and learn about how leadership has changed even in his style from the beginning of his career when he was at ABC or even when he first became the CEO of Disney versus now, especially now in his you know return to Disney. And there's, there's a whole lot of drama there if you want to dive deeper on that. So there's always opportunities to become better as a leader. There's always opportunities to seek those opportunities for leadership. And once again, I think the key for us is to be intentional. If you want to have a meaningful career in healthcare, one of the key things that you need to do is think about it. Think about where you want to be six, from, six months from now, three years from now, five or 10 years from now. If you don't have a plan, then you won't have action. So whatever that plan can be, if you are happy in your clinical role, great. So often in this podcast, we talk about finding things to replace clinic work or augment clinic work, but that doesn't have to be the case for everybody. There are so many people out there that love what they do clinically and are dang good at what they do clinically. And that's great. So the takeaway from this podcast should never be that you can only find meaning and purpose in a healthcare career if you look outside of clinical work. But if you are someone that maybe, you know, you're 10 years into your career and your clinical job is feeling a bit mundane, you feel like, you know, what you do has become somewhat routine and there's not an opportunity for new challenges or new opportunities to grow, then maybe leadership is a good step forward. Maybe there's opportunities for you to take on more responsibility within your current organization and start down that path. And maybe that path leads to the CEO of a hospital, or maybe that path just simply leads to you taking on the role of scheduling for your department. Whatever finds purpose, whatever finds meaning, whatever gives you that career fulfillment, that's the right answer. There is no you know, one size fits all. So I think we'll leave it there. I know a solo episode can be hard because it's just me rambling, but I really am appreciative of the opportunity to just put down some thoughts on leadership, especially with my various roles with the Army and now with the New York PA Association, I feel like I've had the the wonderful opportunity of learning from some really great leaders that have been able to pour into me. And I'm hoping that I can share some of that with you as well. As always, you can follow us on all the major streaming platforms. We're also on LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm really enjoying, we're starting to be more intentional about trying to drive some conversations on those social media platforms. So it's been really fun to hearing from all of you. Um, and getting your feedback, a lot of those discussions on you know Reddit, Facebook, 
LinkedIn are, you know, John and I kind of tinkering with ideas of what we want to talk about and getting feedback. And a lot of times the, the comments and the responses we get, we get to learn from them. It's really intriguing to get to hear perspectives and then very often can lead to inspiration for these episodes. So I really appreciate the support. I appreciate the the active conversation as we continue to try and build this really rich and supportive community of White Coats of the Round Table. So as always, if you like what you hear, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. This is one of the best ways for other listeners to find us. If you don't like what you hear, definitely don't rate us. I guess we'll allow John back in next week because I do miss him. I miss his jokes. We need some uh, humor on this podcast. But until next week when John joins us again, my name's Mike Asbeck and this is White Coats of the Round Table. Thank you.